The theme is that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. But here's the tension. We can let things get in the way of the love of God that is in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. That is absolutely true. But we can let things get in the way. So I, I want to thank Josh for leading us in this new song, Nothing to Fear. I asked him on Thursday if he, we could pull that off, and he was gracious enough to adapt and uh, do that for us. Now, as you might have noticed, um, part of that song, the very end, is from, drawn from Paul's letter in uh, Romans 8. Um, what can separate us from his perfect love? Do not fear, do not fear. This is drawing from uh, teasing out what Paul is saying in, at the end of Romans chapter 8. And whether you've been a Christian for a long time, a short time, or even if you're not a Christian and you don't understand why people would be, I hope you'll listen to this. These words at the ends of Romans chapter 8 make up one of these out-of-this-world kind of features of the Christian faith. Many of our childhood fairy tales try to imagine how powerful love can be, its ability to defeat dark and dangerous forces and to bring together people who are completely lost to each other. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the that's revealed to us in the life of Jesus and in the scriptures, God exhibits a love that is so persistent and so powerful that nothing is powerful enough to tear that love away from us. Nothing is powerful enough to separate us from that love of God in Christ. Listen to this passage again. I'm going to read it from um, the, a, a translation that I like called the New English Translation. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we know that Paul, the author of this letter, was personally aware of how difficult life can be. He faced personal enemies Lots of misunderstanding from people. Lots of injustice and false accusations. And Paul had a sense that his enemies were more than just those he could see. He faced spiritual enemies that in some sense seemed to enhance the animosity against him. He's writing to Christians in this ancient city of Rome who are facing enormous challenges themselves. People are mistrusting of them because they worship this king, Jesus, and they follow a strict code of morality, while everyone else worships a king that you can see, an emperor, and they feel free to do whatever they want with their lives, their morals. And the rulers themselves of Rome have begun to blame Christians for anything bad that happens in the city. It's the Christian's fault. Now, we know that the stress of all this weighed heavily on Paul and these other Christians. It was hard. 
So Paul asks, does any person, any situation, or any spiritual power have the capacity to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And the answer is absolutely not. Christ is the image of God's love. His life, death, and resurrection were all labors of love on behalf of humanity. He came near to us. He took part in our suffering. Did you hear that from that line of the last song we sang? You wept with us. That's what Christ did. He took part in our suffering, and then he took on our sin, our rebellion, and our weakness. And in his resurrection, he conquered the powers of darkness. Then, in his ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit to be present to us and to fill us with his love and his power. Is there anyone or anything that is powerful enough to separate you from this love of God in Christ? No. Full stop, no. Nothing is more powerful than the love of God exhibited in Jesus Christ. Nothing. I'd like to stop there. Have a five-minute sermon. You would all love that, wouldn't you? What more is there to say? The problem is we read two other passages. <laughs> and more than the fact that we read two other passages is that one of them, Psalm 78, draws out a tension that runs throughout the Bible. So as much as I'd love to stop, we need to see this tension. And here it is. It's true. No person or thing is powerful enough to separate us from God's love. But we can let other things get in the way. God's love is not so that we can just sit and be fat and happy. It's not. It is very possible that God loves us with the power that is beyond this world, yet we can let things come in between us and that love. He can pursue us with all the power of his love, and yet our hearts can grow cold to that love. God created us in love. And he will not force us to love in return. So he will allow us, if we wish, to refuse his love. So Paul is not telling us how grand God's love is so that we sit back and relax and have nothing to worry about. It is to excite us and empower us about God's love. You know what? You're exactly right, Paul. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. And so I am going to go full steam ahead in following this God whose love has come near to me. We can give people or situations more power over us than they should have. And when we do that, we can distance ourselves from the love of God. So Psalm 78 is a lengthy psalm where this writer named Asaph records a lot of the nation of Israel's history, especially the things that God has done for Israel. He starts out by saying, I'm going to tell you things that you've already heard and known. I'm going to tell you the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Now, why is he going to recount things that are already known? Now, if you read the scriptures much, you notice, especially in the Old Testament, there's lots of repetition, right? Why is that? Well, there's this saying that is true for all of history, 
people need to be reminded much more than they need to be taught. They need to be reminded much more than they need to be taught. And as Asaph says, we recount these things to our children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, that they should not be like their fathers. You know, still today, the evidence shows that humans gravitate toward the behaviors of their forefathers. That unless we do something to prevent it, we repeat the mistakes of those who have come before us. And this is what happened in the nation of Israel. This is what happens to us as individuals today. And here's what Asaph says about these fathers in Israel. They were a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast. Whose spirit was not faithful to God. They turned back on the day of battle even though they had the armaments for battle. They disobeyed God's commandments. They forgot his works. With, is, with Israel, the love of God had come very close to them. Do you remember? By the power of his love, God redeemed them from slavery. And when their captors came after them, God miraculously delivered Israel. He stood the waters up as a heap, it says in Psalm 78. But each time things became difficult, Israel grew more stubborn. And when you're stubborn, you get tunnel vision. You only see what you want to see. So Israel forgot everything that God had done for them. Refused to believe that God would rescue them again and again and again. And what happened? In their willfulness, they cut themselves off from the love of God that had come so close to them and rescued them. So the Israelites embodied this tension no person or thing is powerful enough to separate us from God's love. The Egyptians could not separate Israel from God's love. God delivered Israel through the sea. But we can let things get in the way. And that's what Israel did. Now you might say, well, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't happen in the New Testament since Jesus. And I'm glad you said that. It just so happens that the writer of another New Testament letter, the letter of Hebrews, reaches back into this same story and he says to a group of Christians, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion when your fathers put me to the test. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another daily. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's a real tension here. No person or thing is powerful enough to separate us from God's love, but we can allow things to get in the way. We can give people more power than they should have in our lives. We can give circumstances more power than they should have in our lives. And before we know it, we have distanced ourselves from the thing that should be most immediate to us, the most powerful force in our lives, the love of God in Christ. So how do we live in this tension? No person or thing is powerful enough to separate us from God's love, but we can allow things to get in the way of God's love. How do we live in this tension? 
Two quick things. We live in this tension by delighting in the love of God that is in Christ. By delighting in the love of God that is in Christ. Enjoy it. God's love is not there just so that you can sit back and live easy to relieve you of having to do anything. It's there to animate you, to comfort you, to embolden you. God has forgiven your sin. He's filled you with a spirit and conquered a darkness that wants to undo you. And still, you will give yourself back to it. Nothing has the power to separate you from his love. So take joy in that and nothing ever will. Live in his love. Continue to delight in it. Yesterday was our, uh, mine and Katie's anniversary. And, you know, I find that the more we spend time together and the more we work to understand each other, the more we pray and seek to, you know, work together to make life work, the more we love each other. The more I, de I delight in who she is and the love that she shows me. And a relationship with God takes this. To delight in his love, you have to be with him, walk with him. This is not just this one-time event where you said something to God or you felt something and now you don't have to do anything else anymore. <laughs> you can just wait to the day to when it's all over and you can be in heaven and just sit back and be happy. No! Delight in the love of God by following him. Or else, your heart will go cold to the love of God. His kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, not to ease. How do we live in this tension? By delighting in the love of God in Christ. And then secondly, we also live in the tension when we refuse to give away power that belongs only to God. When we refuse to give away power that belongs only to God. The love of God in Christ has come to redefine who we are what we are, to become the bedrock force in our lives. But every time that we look to someone or something else to do that for us, we give away a power that belongs only to God. Every time we look to other people for their approval, or to our finances, or our hobbies, or our politics to define us and give us meaning, we give away a power that belongs only to God the creator, the redeemer. And then something begins to creep between us and his love. And so what are we to do? We have to be as relentless in fighting against that, against allowing those things to creep between us and God, as God is relentless in coming to us in his love in Christ. Yes, we can rest in the fact that no person or thing is powerful enough to separate us from God's love in Christ. But we can't allow things to get in the way. So we have to work to delight in the love of God in Christ. And we have to refuse to give away a place in our lives that belongs only to God. And in doing that, we will come to rest in a love that truly will never leave us. Never abandon us. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.